Good evening. We are continuing with our daily sessions from Newark United Pentecostal Church, actually from Holmes in Newark United Pentecostal Church congregation. We welcome you this evening and hope that you have had a good day. Let's begin with a, a word of prayer and then we'll get right to the lesson. Savior, we thank you for your love and your care for us. The fact that you have blessed us thus far. Lord, and I pray that you would open our understanding, help us to be encouraged in, in you, O oh Lord, and to rest in your promises, to walk in your ways. Be with us, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to talk for a while tonight uh, on it's the principle of the thing. Now, those of you who know me know that I like to play with words. And I want to introduce our study tonight with a joke that involves a little word play, a little levity might do us a bit of good as we work to stave off the threat that's posed by this latest coronavirus. I once heard the story of a little boy who did not want to go to school. After much fussing and resistance, his frustrated mother asked why he didn't want to go. Didn't he like school? And the little boy admitted that he enjoyed being with his friends and and he, he liked the classes, but he said it was just the principle of the thing. Now, the thing that made that joke so funny the first time I heard it was that it was told to us by Laird Meadows, whose father was, in fact, the principal of our high school. Many times through life, we, we face circumstances whose specifics do not seem to be covered by the set of rules and responses that we've previously operated under. It's not unusual in extraordinary circumstances to find ourselves wrestling with conflicting uh, values and mutually exclusive conclusions. In such times, it may become necessary to compare and reconcile basic principles. As many of you are well aware, it's unwise to establish a doctrine on only one passage of scripture. Repeatedly, the Bible emphasizes that uh, we need proof from two or three witnesses. This is similar to the requirement of plain geometry to have a point and a direction or two points to establish a line, or three points to determine a plane. Decisions should be grounded on multiple principles. We currently find ourselves tugged in one direction by the instruction of Hebrews to assemble together, and in another by the need to combat the spread of the current crisis of COVID-19. There are also those who reference Psalm 91 as though it were a panacea and a guarantee against all ills. 
The same God who gave us the directive to assemble also gave instruction in Leviticus and Numbers to isolate those with leprosy and other serious conditions from the rest of the community. Then Numbers 12, 2 Kings 7 and 15, and 2 Chronicles 26 give illustrations of such isolation. In 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Thessalonians 3, and 1 Timothy 6, Paul applied a similar principle of isolation on a spiritual level. Then in the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, John notes the ultimate banning of contaminating agents from the city. In the same manner, Psalm 91 is not a promise of blanket immunity to all plagues and pestilence. As a result of what Pastor Desi Lugo calls a slow reading of this psalm, it's easy to see that it not only promises safety, but demands compliance with principles of separation unto God. We are promised that something will not come near us. Does it not make sense that we should not go near it? If we are depending on a promise that plague will not come near our home, does that not imply that our safest action is to stay at home? It was from this very psalm that the devil quoted scripture in tempting Jesus to jump from the pinnacle of the temple. That alone shows that this psalm can be misused. Trusting in a promise without fulfilling its conditions is somewhat akin to expecting a paycheck when we did not show up for work. There are situations where the real danger is not from a plague, but from the ignorant hatred of one's neighbors. Abba Ibn, once the foreign minister of Israel, in his 1968 book, My People, the Story of the Jews, recounted the time, quote, in 1348, when the Black Death smote country after country in Europe, possibly because of the more advanced state of their medical knowledge and because of their segregated and on the whole more hygienic living conditions, proportionally fewer Jews died from this plague than Christians. But because of this fact, the Jews were also accused of being in league with the devil in instigating the Black Death, end quote. That comes from the chapter entitled The Jews in Europe to 1492 on page 183. These Jews' hygienic practices, which were often based on scriptural or Talmudic regulations, protected them from the contagion that thrived in the squalor of the day. But because of their effectiveness, they also made them targets of those whose living conditions worked against their own health. We need to add to our prayer list a plea for calm and for rational thought and behavior. Fear and hatred must not be allowed to make targets of any segment of our society. While government officials and health professionals are dealing with the societal and physical aspects of this challenge, it is important that we, as the church, 
man the ramparts of the spirit world in prayer to combat the forces of evil that would desire to take advantage of these dislocations and sow fear and turmoil. It is important that we also pray for leaders that they make wise decisions. We should also pray that those in charge can come to agreement, at least enough to present a united front to the challenge before us. In the King James Version, 1 Corinthians 14.33 tells us, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. In the same translation, James 3.16 adds, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. We need to pray for peace. We need to pray against confusion and strife. As ambassadors of Christ to this world, we need to be a help and a light to all around us. Public health and medical conditions are far advanced beyond the, the filth of the 14th century. A major reason for quarantines and isolation is to slow the spread of the virus so it is more manageable. The water of a lake can safely flow downstream if it stays within the riverbanks. If the dam breaks, the same amount of water all at once leaves devastation in its path. Preventing that flood or that kind of health flood is the purpose of our being asked to stay uh, away from gatherings and to minimize the rapidity of the spread of this virus. While so many people are not occupied with the busyness of their lives, we have a great chance to connect with them and connect them with the love of God. Technology, as we are experiencing right now, has made it possible for us to remain in the safety of isolation and yet reach out to strengthen and encourage those around us. We do it not out of fear, but because of love for them and for their welfare. In times of confusion and darkness, we have the greatest opportunity to bring faith and light to a panicked or at least worried populace. It is the principle of the thing. We can become critical over interpretations of technicalities and fuss about every little thing, or we can be a source of calm and compassion. We can live out the saying, when in danger or in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. <laughs> or we can manifest the peace that's given us by the Prince of Peace. Our approach to development can make things better or worse. We can stir things up or calm them down. Jesus was not just giving a, a checklist in his teachings. He was describing the spirit or the attitude his followers should have. We find some of what he intended in Luke 6 and 27 from the New Living Translation. It says, 
but to you who are willing to listen. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Those things are more extreme than what we are facing, but the principles are the same of cooperation, of kindness, of not overreacting to situations around us. And this is a way that we can manifest the spirit of 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We can walk in a power that is not our own. If God can supply our words in crisis, as he promised in Luke chapter 12, and verses 11 and 12, he can surely give us power to live right in the time of need. The spirit of love is not something worked up for the moment, but uh, comes from uh, other resources. It's, it's not from our own will and our own strength, but self-discipline of this kind doesn't come from training but it comes from God. It comes from walking with the master. We must not be afraid, but neither should we be foolish. Obeying proper authority for the good of the community is not selling out, especially when we have Bible injunctions to have appropriate respect for civil leadership. We're in a crisis time, the likes of which has not been seen for a hundred years. The world's been through similar calamity many times, but it's new territory for all of us. We have an opportunity to let this world see what walking in faith really means. We can show forth the right spirit. It really is about the principle of the thing. Can we pray? Dear Jesus, we know that this sickness was, has not caught you by surprise. Your love and your power are not affected in the least by all that has transpired. Lord, we look to you as a shelter from the wind of events and a refuge from the storm swirling around us. We pray for your strength and peace to be imparted where there is weakness and turmoil. Help us that faith would not be just a word, but a living reality in our lives. Give us wisdom in our comings and goings, and in our decision and actions in the days ahead. We pray for your protection in times of danger. Help us as with the wise man of Proverbs to see the trouble ahead and avoid it. Enlighten our eyes and guide our steps as we travel these unknown paths. Give your angels charge over us that we might be safe. 
direct our lives into the shadow of your wings and into a secret dwelling place in you. Dear God, we pray for our community, our nation, our world, that they would feel your calming touch and know your peace in these days when it seems peace has fled. In the name of Jesus, smite this pestilence and restore health and liberty of movement to this world. Build a hedge against every power of the enemy that would take advantage to sow confusion, hatred, rebellion, and turmoil. Block the plans of evil men who would seek to advance wicked plans and purposes under cover of the darkness of this hour. Make us instruments of peace and harmony in these days of discord. May we find a calming effect wherever our present, or may we have a calming effect wherever our presence can be felt. Use us to the glory of your kingdom. Savior, we pray for those in authority and leadership, for the health professionals wrestling with this challenge. I pray that you would give them knowledge beyond their educations, wisdom beyond their experience, strength beyond their limits, and compassion beyond their nature, and an assurance of your presence such as they have never known. Lord, be with them, guide them, strengthen them, help them. Help us, Lord. Keep us, be with us. I pray in the name that is above all others, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord bless you. Keep your chin up. Keep praying. Tune into the songs. These things are available in archive. You can go back and listen to them again. We're going to make it through this. God is on our side. We can make it because we are working on the principle of the thing. Lord bless you. Goodbye.